baseball fans. This is episode six of Around the CPL, the official podcast of the Coastal Plain League. Hope you guys had an awesome weekend watching some baseball. I have a very enlightening as well as intriguing interview with Savannah Bananas owner, Jesse Cole. Uh, He also is the one that's known for wearing the yellow suit at the games. So he is full of energy. He's full of life. He's an entrepreneur. And I'm going to let you take a peek at that interview here in a second. But real quick, before we get into that, I wanted to mention the All-Star Showdown. That's also in Savannah, Georgia on July 7th and 8th. Uh, There's going to be an interesting format to this All-Star game as well as some other extra goodies. So I'm not going to spoil the fun. Uh, Jesse actually talks about that in the interview, but I think you'll enjoy it. Don't miss any of the action all season long as fans can watch every Coastal Plain League game for free on all devices at cplbaseball.com or stream via Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, or Amazon Fire. You started as a college pitcher at Walford, and then following your career there, you transitioned into the management side. What were you expecting, though, when you first joined you know, the Coastal Plain League and how you thought the process has changed over the years? <laughs> I had no idea what to expect when I joined the CPL. Uh, you know, started as an intern. Um, coached in the Cape Cod League. I played college summer baseball in the New England College Baseball League, but I didn't know much about the uh, the Coastal Plain League. And then obviously I, I became a part of it as a general manager, uh, actually at 23 years old. So I was an intern for two months in Spartanburg and they offered me the job as GM. And that's where I learned all about the league and started in Gastonia where we had o- only really 200 fans coming to the games. The team was completely uh you know, almost bankrupt, only $268 in the bank account. And the team had been there for seven years and no one knew anything about the team. So I knew we were uh, at an uphill battle, but I heard great things about the league. I knew there, I knew a lot of my former teammates at Wofford played in the league. So I was excited to try it out. What was your experience like at, at Wofford, you know, as a pitcher? What, what was one thing about playing that was something that you could never experience on the other side of baseball? Well, I think that's what's made it. It's great for me to be able to connect with the players um, in you know, playing at this level, playing Division One baseball, fortunate to get a scholarship to pitch at Wofford. You know, I had 42 starts on the mound. I was a two-way guy, you know, pitched against South Carolina and Clemson and the big teams, had all that experience. Um, uh, fortunately for me, I tore my shoulder. And I say fortunate because uh, that ended my career. I was talking to uh, three or four teams, got letters from them, pro teams, and that ended my career after uh, torn labrum, torn rotator cuff. And fortunately, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because um, I knew I could no longer play ball. So I had to figure out what I wanted to do. I thought about coaching. I coached in the Cape Cod league and then got the email about an internship in, uh, the coastal plain league. And I realized something very important there that I loved playing the game, but I hated watching the game. And I realized that if I had trouble watching the game, how could fans really enjoy watching the game? And so for us, that's where we made it all about the entertainment. Uh, we realized that people weren't attracted to just the baseball Uh, especially in Gastonia. So we had to change what we were doing make it about the show, make it about the fun, make it about the entertainment, and then hope the baseball would take care of itself. That's interesting for you to to have the, I don't want to say guts, but just come out and say, hey, I loved playing, but watching this is a snooze fest. I think the World Series last year, there were parts I'm just like, "Let's, let's go. Let's at least make this a little more entertaining. And I've even mentioned that Major League Baseball could learn a lot of things from either the minors, these independent ball clubs that, just know how to entertain the fans because, and correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe you disagree. I think we would agree on this, but baseball is more than just a sport that you go to. It's, it's an experience. Well, yeah, and it needs to be. I, I, think whether, I think whether it's baseball, whether it's any sport, whether it's any business, you need to focus on experience first. 
You know, a lot of people think your product is what you're selling and it's just the baseball game. For us, we realize it's 100% the experience. That's from when you first show up. And that's why we have players at the gate greeting you. And we have a pep band playing music as you walk in. And DJ Peels on Wheels, our, our DJ on a Segway playing music. It's all about the experience. And so we realized that because if people thought baseball was long, slow, and boring and couldn't stay for a whole game, we had to add this nonstop entertainment to be able to be successful. And that you know, was 12 years in the making. You know, We started trying things back in 2008 with Gastonia. Now, obviously, with the success of the Bananas and every game sold out, we've been really you know, putting that into play. So I, I think baseball, a lot of times, the owners are focused so much on the product on the field and they're not focused on the experience. They're thinking about wins and losses, and they're not thinking about the fan experience and the interaction with the players and the staff and the food and the costs. You know, we look at every single touch point that a fan comes in touch with the the um, team, and I think that's one of the challenges Major League Baseball is having. Attendance is about to drop again for the sixth year out of seven years, um, but revenue is going up. So why would they make any changes? And they're not. And so we're focusing not on the revenue, but on the fan experience. Well, and, and that jumps ahead to, you know, later what I was going to ask you in the interview, but we can go to it now. No big deal. But with your your fans first entertainment, let us know a little bit about that experience, that entertainment, how that drives how you run the Savannah Bananas and, and other ventures that you've been on. Well, fans first is everything for us. So it's the name of our company, Fans First Entertainment. Our mission is fans first, entertain always. And every decision we make, is it fans first? I think very few companies, especially sports teams, you know, they don't really have a clear mission. They don't have a clear vision. They don't have their core beliefs. We have everything laid out. And instead of focusing on the what, you know, the product or the experience, we are so focused on the where. Where are we going? And our vision is simple. It's to bring fans first to the world and be the most fans first company in the world. You know, where people think about their competition as other sports teams. No, our competition is Chick-fil-A. Our competition is Disney. Our competition is Amazon. We're trying to provide the best experience in the world for fans. And we're ambitious enough to say that. And we tell our staff that. We tell our players that. We tell everyone that. So we're, we're playing a different game. And, you know, we realize that's the only re- way we can be successful in the future. As soon as you stop focusing on delivering an amazing fans first experience, I think people will get tired of the product and they'll go somewhere else. So for us, that where is clear and then it makes the who, the people we need on the bus and the what even more clear. And so, you know, that was a big aha moment for us. And, you know, we're big myself and our whole staff. We're big readers. Uh, We listen to podcasts. We're constantly learning from the great, you know, the greats and Disney's and the Chick-fil-A's and cruise industry and Ritz Carlton. And we're not learning from other sports teams. We're learning from outside the industry. And I think anybody, uh, whether you're in sports, whether you're in business, you need to get outside of your bubble and go learn from people outside and then use that pattern thinking and bring it into your business. And that's what we've been fortunate to be able to do. Also, piggybacking off of that, uh, you had revealed that your biggest competition is those like Chick-fil-A and Disney and, and all those other types of entertainment. What is one thing, like an example of that's revolutionary? <laughs> I don't know if anything's revolutionary. It's a series of touch points. So where most teams, what they think about is, you know, what's our promotion on Friday night? What's our promotion on Tuesday night? Um, are we doing, you know, buy one, get one free? Are we doing fireworks? We don't focus on that. We focus on developing our own characters in-house. So to give you an example, we have our senior citizen dance team, the Banana Nanas, uh, that dance Justin Timberlake and Bruno Mars. We have our Mananas, which is our male cheerleading team. Every single game that are doing, you know, crazy dances and crazy cheers. We have a summer Santa who's at the ballpark who literally dressed in all yellow like Santa, 
who, you know, talks to kids and signs autographs and, and interacts with the families at the ballpark. We have a high fiver, which is a six-year-old who wears a jersey with his name is high, his number is five, and his sole goal is to go around the stadium high-fiving at least 2,000 people a night. We have our DJ Peels on Wheels, which I mentioned, which is our, uh, our mobile DJ, plays music on a Segway. Every single night, the players will do choreographed dances um, with our breakdancing first base coach, who's become very famous, who does backflips and dances during the games. Our players deliver roses to fans in, uh, in the stadium every night, little girls. Uh, our players get on top of the dugouts like ring girls in boxing and hold the inning nine, and we call them the ring dudes, and usually they rip their shirts off and pour water over themselves. It's, uh, it's a series of we look at how do we develop all these in-house characters to deliver a show and deliver an experience where people will leave the ballpark and say, you won't believe what just happened at the stadium. And we get that from, you know, you look at uh, Saturday Night Live. That's probably one of our biggest influences. It's a series of skits and parodies based on characters. And those characters come back again and again. And you have your favorite characters from Saturday Night Live. That's who we are. And we're very clear on that. And when we know that, what happens is everyone knows they're coming to the ballpark to have fun. And when you're coming to the ballpark to have fun, including the players and the staff, everyone's in this together. And when you ever win this in together, what happens is the baseball takes care of itself. And if you look, you know, right now, the fourth straight year, Banana's going to the playoffs. Uh, they've won the championship. They had the best record in the league last year. And that's what happens. So, again, I think these outrageous, ridiculous things, it's just, you know, a series of looking, what can you build into the experience that people would never expect at a baseball game? And what we're described as is it's a circus and a baseball game breaks out. And I love that. Because when you think of circus, you think of nonstop activities, nonstop fun. You think the opposite of a baseball game. And that's why we want, that's what we want our fans thinking. Well, and it also seems like you're taking, as you mentioned earlier, touch points of things that fans of not only just baseball, but also entertainment, they're already familiar with, you know, as far as, you know, the girls holding up the numbers and uh, other elements of entertainment and you're bringing them to one spot so not only are they at a baseball game but they're also getting a little bit of what they're familiar with and it's being brought into a baseball context so you're getting the best of both worlds but it seems like you know with the baseball taking care of itself you're you have this huge production but you're not having to put as much for lack of a better term effort into that production there is effort I'm not negating that at all but just the fact that, like you said, it takes care of itself. You're just providing them entertainment that they're familiar with and giving it to them in a new, fresh, and exciting way. Well, yeah, you got the players playing in front of 4,000-plus fans every single night. And these fans are you know, obsessed with, with the team and you know, cheering on the players. And it just gives them this great advantage. So the players just come out and do their thing and have fun. And the big key, this is here, this, whether it's baseball, whether it's business, wh whatever you do, if you have fun, if you enjoy yourself, you will perform better. And I think so many people put so much pressure on themselves, whether that's in sports, whether that's in the business world, that I got to do this. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I think what's special and that we're fortunate to be able to learn is that no one at our ballpark thinks I have to do this or I get to do this. They feel a part of it. They feel uh, excited to be a part of it. And when you do that, you have fun and you start playing better and everyone feels you know, proud to be a part of it. And I think that is really the secret sauce um, that, you know, we're, we're really humbled to watch happen. And again, we didn't know this at first. I think the biggest key is, is, is you do and then learn. You know, we tried many things that have failed. I've talked about salute to underwear night back in the day with the Grizzlies and flatulence fun night. 
And, you know, we give away portageons at games and colon cleansings at games and the world's largest tickets, which fans hated. I mean, we've tried lots of things. But what fans know is, wow, these guys care so much to continually try new things to try to entertain us. And when you do that, you're okay. it's okay to make mistakes because the fans will give you the benefit of the doubt because it's like, hey, they're trying and we're going to constantly try. And it's companies that stop trying to innovate and do the same things over and over again. Those are the companies that die. No, that's a great word. And when you mentioned the large tickets, it took me back to an episode of The Office where where Dwight gave them the title of junior sales manager and the tickets were like twice the size as business cards. That's all I'm imagining. That would I would love it, but at the same time, it would tick me off so bad to get such a big ticket. But that's that's memorable, like you're saying. It's it's something that they're gonna go away with and be like, hey, you remember that one time? You there? Yeah, sorry, that was like a dot 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 type of comment. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. What's the definition of remarkable? Remarkable means are people willing to remark about you? If you want to create a remarkable business, a remarkable sports team, a remarkable experience, you got to give them a reason to talk about you. And I believe the customers are the marketers today. We don't spend any money on marketing. We just share the fun. And so I think the key is about being remarkable. We think when we create a script, which we do spend lots of time, every night is a completely different script, new promotions, new surprises. You know, in the middle of the game, you know, when I'm throwing T-shirts in the crowd, the last quote unquote shirt that goes in the crowd is a pair of our Dolce and banana underwear. I throw literally underwear at a gentleman in the crowd with a giant banana on the crotch. And what happens is I make him hold it up in front of the huge group and everyone starts cheering and laughing. I guarantee he goes home. That whole group goes home and says, you won't believe they threw out underwear and this guy grabbed and put it on and wore it on for the whole night. That's a remarkable conversation. And I think most businesses, they hope, especially sports teams, oh, I hope we have a great game because then people will talk about it the next day. You can't leave that to chance. You can't hope that your player strikes out you know, 12 guys or you have a walk-off at the end of the night. You have to choreograph the script every night to create those memories and those remarkable moments. And then the baseball, the sport becomes the gravy, becomes the icing on top. That's what we try to do every night. And they walk away and say, wow, this was special. For the 10th straight season, the Coastal Plain League has partnered up with Baseball America to bring you the Coastal Plain League Corner. During each issue of Baseball America this summer, fans can now keep up to date on some of the key headlines this CPL season has to offer through the CPL Corner. Don't have Baseball America? Then you're missing out. For a special CPL discount, please visit the league website at www.coastalplain.com and click on one of the Baseball America banners to sign up. For the most information on baseball, be sure to visit Baseball America on the web at www.baseballamerica.com. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening every evening. Uh, I'd love to get you know be able to get a chance to head on down to Georgia and check out a game. You know, we'll see. But I, you know, it's it sounds like a great experience. And as baseball fans, and, and you're a baseball fan, previous player, you for one know, hey, I love this sport, but there is something seriously wrong with it, and I want to I want to change the game. So you've you've spent time with multiple franchises in the Coastal Plain League. Forest City, Gastonia, even Martinsville. But what drew you to Savannah initially as a, as a market? I mean, I'll never forget. It was in uh, August of 2014. I proposed to my wife, Emily, at a sold-out Gastonia Grizzlies game. I stopped the game, literally uh, had uh, brought the whole staff out on the field, thanked them. And I said, last but not least, uh, and I went into Emily and told our story, how we met at the stadium, and stopped the game had a huge fireworks show go off, had the ring inside a baseball. Thank goodness she said yes, because that would have been unbelievably embarrassing. And the next day she surprised me and said, you did this for me. I want to take you to Savannah, Georgia. We've never been there. 
And I thought it'd be a great experience. So we, we traveled to Savannah that coming weekend and we went around the city, fell in love with it. And then I went to this ballpark and to paint the picture, just this majestic, older stadium, big brick. And I walked in, I felt like I was a kid in the candy store. I could feel the history coming off the bricks. And I walked into that main grandstand and saw, and I was like, this is the most amazing stadium I've ever seen. Now I'm coming off Gastonia, which is an older ballpark as well, but much smaller. This was majestic. And then I started hearing that Babe Ruth played here, Hank Aaron, Lou Gehrig, Ted Williams, Stan Musial, you name it, Jackie Robinson. And then I went up into the grandstand. It was an 80-degree night. The former professional team was playing there, uh, you know, the, the New York Mets affiliate. And it was a Saturday night, and there was less than 300 people in the stadium. And it was just dead air. No one really cared. It's just a regular baseball game. And I called Justin, the commissioner, that night. I said, if this team ever leaves, I go, we're claiming Savannah. Because this stadium, this market, this city, this could just work. And it was then that uh, I found out pretty soon after that they couldn't get the support. They wanted a brand new stadium. The city said no. And they left. And uh, we kept our word, called Justin, and uh, made a deal with the city and came there. And uh, it sounds like a, a perfect, amazing story, except the first day we showed up, um, everything was taken out of the stadium. The phone lines were gone. Uh, phone lines were cut. The internet lines were cut. And we grabbed an old table from the park, moved it into an abandoned storage building, and started using our cell phones calling the community. And what was their response? Crickets. We literally sold one ticket in the first two months. And it got so bad that in just three and a half years ago, uh, we got a call that we overdrafted our account. We were completely out of money. And that's when my wife and I, we sold our house. We emptied out our savings account. And we started living on an airbed down in Savannah to make ends meet. And so it sounds like, uh, you know, it was this amazing, amazing, uh, you know, uh, overnight success. Well, it was a, a challenge at first because we need to get people to believe in who we were. To them, we were just this college summer baseball team that was going to be like the former team, just at a lower level of baseball. We had to really work hard to convince them that we were about the show, the experience, and the entertainment. And that's why we decided to go with Savannah Bananas and everything started to click. Well, and you know, a lot of people talk about sacrificing things for their dreams and, and for ideas that they want to see come alive and grow. And usually that term has been used very figuratively or it's just a phrase, but it seems like literally for you and your wife, it was a huge sacrifice to get the Savannah Bananas where they are today. Yeah. And I think anything special in life uh, that you accomplish, there's a huge sacrifice count that comes with it. I think everyone has to go all in at certain points in their life. And the, the greatest successes come usually soon after the greatest failures. And for us, um, I never look at it as failure. I look at uh, failure as discovery. And I discovered a lot. I discovered, uh, you know, again, we had to create attention. We had to make people uh, understand who we were. And uh, we had to go all in on the idea of creating the best possible fan experience in the world. And that included uh, being the first team ever to offer all the tickets to be all inclusive. All your burgers, your hot dogs, your chicken sandwiches, your soda, your water, your popcorn, your cookies for $15 at the time. And so we took a lot of chances. We didn't know how to do it, but we knew it was best. And I think a lot of people, the how, keeps them from doing great things because they're scared and have fear of what will happen. Uh, we took some crazy chances and I'm so fortunate to have a wife um, who grew up in the industry, uh, worked for Ripken Baseball and minor league teams who believed in it and believed in me and believed in what we were trying to do, uh, that we rolled the dice. And uh, luckily uh, it came out pretty successful. That's a great success story. And also to show, yeah, like you said, success has come uh, a lot of times on the, on the, um, on the backs of, you know, failures, which as you reference, aren't even really failures. There's just, you're just figuring out one way not to do something. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, it, it's kind of, it stinks 
immediately at that time, it's like, wow, okay, that effort and and nothing came of it. But then, you know, maybe just around the corner, something comes to fruition. Just like, wow, okay, that that really wasn't a failure. That was actually just step number one in the process. Yeah, it's all about taking small bets and starting with taking bets. And we started trying new new things in Gastonia. We tried trying things in Savannah, and finally, it was an all in period. So, uh, yeah, I, again, and I, I, what scares me is complacency. My biggest fear in life is settling. And I think as soon as you have great success, um, as soon as it gets easier, that's when you need to work harder. And for us, even though every game sold out, three straight seasons, we've had the success we've had, to me, this is where we dig in. And I, I believe everyone on our staff, guys, we're not there yet. We have this big infinite goal. We want to bring fans first to the world. We want to you know, entertain more people. We want more people to deliver this experience, whether you're in the sports industry and business industry. And this is where we got to get start really working hard. And again, for us, we're just playing a different game. You know, it's not about uh, do we win the championship every year? That's a just that's a finite goal. You know, you win the championship. That's great. But we're play, playing a much bigger game. And I think that's what gives our whole staff purpose and meaning in what we're doing. And uh, it excites us every day to go to the office and go to the ballpark and, you know, entertain people coming from all over the world to our games. I mean, this year, Japan, Germany, uh, South Africa, New Zealand, Netherlands, you name it. They're traveling in just to see Savannah Bananas games, which is unbelievably uh, humbling and flattering. But uh, it shows you that we have a much bigger purpose um, to entertain. And there's a lot more people out there that uh, hopefully deserve some more fun in their life that we can give it to them. Well, you certainly have a a big challenge coming up. Something that's definitely going to be tough, but I'm sure... Uh, you're excited about it, is the 2019 All-Star event that Savannah is is showcasing this year. I, I can only imagine what the off-season conversations were like as you were anticipating you know, this, this event, this showcase. But uh, give me a feeling of what it's, what it's like right now, everybody running around with you know, like a chicken with their head caught off, or we all kind of like, no, we, we get this. It, it's going to take a lot of hard work, but we, we have a great plan in place, and we feel great about it. Just let us let us into the let us be that fly on the wall in in your conference room, so to speak. Um, being very open, we haven't talked about All Star. Oh God! <laughs> um, yeah. Next question, yeah. right? No, <laughs> so, no. So uh, you know, myself and our president, we have had conversations, and my wife Emily. But um, you know, we go about business and taking care of the fans every night that are at the ballpark, and every game, someone's first game. Uh, we don't skip too far ahead. You know, you talk about teams say, you know, we're working one pitch at a time, one batter at a time, one inning at a time. That's where we are. Um, you know, obviously we've put some ideas and thoughts and in the off season, you know, our, our big decision was to do something dramatically different. And we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite and regular all-star games, regular home run derbies have been played out. So we decided that we want to try something. Do we know how it's going to go? Of course not. We don't know how anything new is going to go for us, but we know that we're going to deliver uh, a lot of entertainment. We know that it will be uh, a new experience for people to try to test out. Um, we believe the three inning games, the showdowns, the new home run derby that we're doing that's never been done before, um, we believe that is going to be uh, an exciting adventure to try at the ballpark. And it won't go perfectly, but that's okay. And I think that's the key is trying new things out. And then hopefully this may help uh, make future All-Star Games even better in the CPL. And we look at ourselves as a guinea pig and constantly try new things. And we're okay with dealing with some of the, the hardships and adversity with trying new things. But Every game, someone's first game, there's going to be 4,000 new people there both nights, and we're going to put on a show. It'll just be a different format than most uh, most games. Well, speaking of the format, I, I see here that it's going to be, you mentioned a three-inning games, but also a, a six-team tournament. Like, this seems to be part of your innovative format. Uh, what's what's the deal with that? <laughs> Thought about, hey, how do you make it co- competitive? All-star games, typically, no one cares who wins. The players are there just to get in a bat. 
They're not trying to play that hard. What if you made it in a tournament? What do you give some uh, some egos into it, some pride into it? See how people battle against each other. You know, baseball players, sports athletes, everyone are super competitive people. That's what they are. And so why don't we make it competitive? And so the idea of doing three inning mini games, six team tournament, the the winner of the home run derby and the number two uh, finisher, the runner up in the derby, get a first round buys and then have a quarterfinals, a semifinals and finals. Three inning games. Let's see what happens. If it, Again, I want fans to be able to root for something. When fans come to an all-star game, they don't know who to root for. Are there a few players that they know that come up? No, I want them to get behind the teams, get behind the games, you know, feel part of it. And if you, like what I love about our games is seeing 4,000 people standing in the seventh inning, just chanting, going nuts in the eighth inning, going nuts. That's exciting. I think it'll be tough to generate that at the All-Star because the bananas aren't playing. But if we can even get a semblance of that, I think that could be really exciting for all the, the fans, the players, the CPL owners, the GMs, the staffs, and everyone involved. That sounds exciting to me because I, for one, have found All-Star games uh, pretty boring. I know, I know this. You know, this isn't the uh, independent, you know, level, but it's more major league. When they they gave the winning team home field advantage in the World Series, I thought that was the dumbest thing in the world. But they they tried to make something that was losing steam relevant again. So I applaud the effort. Uh, but you know, I I think you are. Uh, I mean, what am I? You're used to this. You've been doing this for a long time. But as far as my opinion, I I think you're on to something awesome, especially since, you know, with the CPL, with independent uh, leagues, this is where you experiment with this type of stuff because you're you're trying to get families and players to buy back into the sport of baseball because they are the future of of the sport. 100%. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, just to jump in, that is what I love about the CPL. That is what I love about Justin and his ability to say, we're going to try things. And I think so many owners, commissioners get stuck in the way things have always been done. I'll never forget the phone call I made last year and said, Justin, we're having St. Patrick's Day night coming up and we'd like to play in kilts. And he laughed and said, you're going to play in kilts. I go, yes. He goes, all right, I approve. And very few commissioners would approve that because, oh, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Baseball's supposed to be a traditional sport, played the right way. Well, you know what? How's Blockbuster doing? How's Sears doing? How's Toys R Us doing? How are all the huge winners in the business world that stayed true to the way they've always done it? They're in the business cemetery. And what I love about the CPL and Justin and everyone involved is say, you know what? We're going to try new things. We don't know if it's going to work out, but that's okay. When you create an organization like that, a league like that, that's innovative and that's open to new ideas, that's how you thrive, especially when, when uh, there's challenges in the economy, because uh, you can get through that adversity by trying new things. And most companies don't have the ability to do that. So I'm proud uh, to be a part of the league. And I'm so uh, thankful to have Justin say, you know, let's try it. We don't know if it's going to be great, but I'm sure we'll learn something. And that's, uh, that's pretty admirable in a leader. Well, Jesse, in, in wrapping this up, uh, I appreciate your time. It's been awesome. It's it's an, even enlightened me as far as maybe I will maybe relocate down to Georgia just to attend these games and get all crazy watching baseball. You, you shared the story about how you got to Savannah with you and your wife. But if there was just something else that you wanted to talk about or speak on that I didn't ask you, uh, the mic is yours to kind of to kind of send us out. I will share that I, I believe the biggest key to success is focusing on uh, the people. And, you know, we talk about fans first, but here's the secret. Our biggest fans are our own people. 
There are employees, there are staff members, there are players, there are coaches. Care about them. And on the back of our Fans First playbook that we share with everyone on our staff and all our players, it says, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. And my challenge for every sports owner, sports uh, leader, manager, anybody in the business world is to care more for the people that you work with and, you know, leave people better than you found them. So that's a deep uh, jump into what I think matters most, because when you do that, everything else, again, takes care of itself. Awesome, man. That's great advice, not only for business owners, but also just people in general. You know, as you interact with people every day, you know, leave them better than than you found them. So that's awesome, Jesse. I appreciate your time, man. Um, good luck to uh, you guys the rest of the year as far as you uh, pursue. I think you said your this will be your fifth straight uh, playoff um, appearance, which would be awesome. Uh, but thanks for your time, man. I really do appreciate it. You can't make that difference, my man. Take care. This interview with Jesse was such a blast. Just learning about his passion behind, you know, growing a brand, making baseball exciting again, uh, his influence in the CPL with the sacrifices he and his wife made to start the Savannah Banana franchise altogether. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well and you're able to kind of have an understanding of what it takes to make a business grow and what it takes to make a team grow and all the interesting and creative ideas that Jesse and his crew has put into place there in Savannah. Make sure every Monday you listen to Around the CPL, hosted by Aaron Summers, released on all of our social media and CoastalPlane.com. Do you want the latest news and updates on the Coastal Plain League, its teams, and players? If so, please visit the league website at CoastalPlane.com. Also, be sure to friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Coastal Plain League and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at CPL Baseball. Talk to you next week. I'm out.